0: Kia ora koutou. it's Wednesday the 14th of February which means Happy Valentine's Day and remember whether or not you get a big bouquet or you get a box of chocolates today we at Newsable think you're great and as Miley Cyrus says you can buy your own flowers I wonder how early... too early to maybe buy myself some chocolates. Perhaps I'll leave it another half an hour. Anyway, that's the motivational speech over. Let's crack into the show, shall we? Kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Jess, and this is What's Worth Talking About. Modern slavery, believe it or not, it's a growing problem in New Zealand and the new government is under pressure to act. Predictions about what direction interest rates might take are switching week to week. So, how do home buyers work out what to do? And you might have caught this one on yesterday's pod. Australia is bringing in a law to allow workers the right to disconnect from work outside of office hours. Today, we ask Does New Zealand need a law like that too? And the traditional beachwear debate has always been undies, undies told. But what about a ban on teeny-weeny bikinis? That very thing is on the table across the ditch. All that coming up here in a moment on Usable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. Slavery is something that we tend to think of as a problem confined to the history books but there's a heap of work being done to get recognition for what's known as modern slavery where people get trapped by their employer and have to work long hours with inadequate pay and poor conditions and that's happening right here on our shores. In fact officials delivered a blunt message to the Labour government last year saying New Zealand risked damaging our reputation if we didn't get a handle on the problem. So where are things at? Well to break down the issue is someone you might recognise here here is Stuff Audio senior journalist, Aaron Dahman. Kia ora, Aaron. Thanks for coming on. Kia ora. Aaron, many people won't recognise this as a massive issue, but just how widespread is modern slavery in New Zealand?
1: Well, it's fair to say this is something going on right under our noses. I spoke to employment lawyer Mae Monker who specialises in migrant issues, and to be honest, she put it better than I ever could.
2: This is not employment matter alone. This is immigration fraud exploitation, tax evasion, and uh, simply just uh, eroding our freedom and democracy. I was talking to a a migrant worker who has uh, over 30 years of experience as being a painter, skilled painter. And uh, he was uh, sold a job offer for 85,000 RMB, which is uh, over 20,000 New Zealand dollars and came to New Zealand with no job at all. It was a fake one. To make a living, he was really struggling. And he, he's just simply paid $19 per hour now, which was below the minimum wage.
1: So Munkur told me that particular migrant worker should have been getting between 30 to $35 based on his skills, Jess.
0: Well, didn't Labour want to change the law when it was in office? What, what was on the table?
1: Soon after officials served up that warning you mentioned earlier, the government did indeed act, introducing a law change so that organisations with over $20 million in annual revenue would need to publicly report on what they were doing to address exploitation risks in their operations and supply chains. At the time, the National Party agreed modern slavery must be urgently addressed. They said they'd look at that legislation. And in an interview with RNZ back in June 2022, then leader of the opposition, now Prime Minister Christopher Luxon, was asked what he'd march in the streets for. Something I feel very passionate about is modern slavery, for example. It's something that I've been really passionate about for a long time. Um, That's something that I think we could do a better job of and have modern slavery legislation and uh, make sure that we're holding up to ourselves to a standard. There's those things I feel passionate about. So, clearly, it's something that has been top of mind for the PM even well before he ascended to the ninth floor.
0: Given all that then, do you think that means the new government is going to pursue some more modern slavery legislation?
1: Mm, Not quite. Labour's push for (laughs) legislation actually appears up in the air. Freshly minted workplace relations and safety minister, Brooke Van Velden she says cabinet is yet to consider next steps on this work. And in a statement provided to Newsable, Van Velden confirmed progressing the previous government's legislative proposals, quote, not part of the 100-day plan. But she does say modern slavery practices are criminalised in New Zealand, and she expects all businesses to comply with the law and ensure they're taking part in responsible business conduct. So it's unclear if there will indeed be any change, but if there is, Mae Mungkur wants it to have teeth.
2: If that is a focus on supply chain, if it's a focus on our New, Ze- New Zealand as a OECD country, we have international obligations and concerning supply chains. If that is the focus, I would say, let's focus on to address the migrant exploitation in New Zealand happening right now. If we can effectively deal with this matter, then the new legislation definitely is required, is overdue and can be dealt with. If we simply just for the sake of uh, avoiding embarrassment, for the sake of uh, grant, political gesture to introduce a legislation then the legislation may not be effectively you know enforced for me that's just a lip service it's just a a plastic surgery it won't really address the root cause
1: that is may moncur an employment lawyer who's been fighting for workers rights for many years
0: now we're going to talk a little bit later about a crucial beachwear question should teeny weeny butt showing bikinis be banned what do you say well that is an idea being put forward on the GC the Gold Coast so if you want to make sure you don't miss out on serious debates of the day like that question follow us on TikTok or Insta search for NZ Stuff or you can email us newsable at stuff.co.nz If you've been in the market for your first home, you may have had more luck in recent months than for a long time before that. The pressure from high interest rates and a general slowdown of the market meant opportunities for a wider range of home buyers. But that all looked like changing with the market said to be heating up and the prospect of interest rates dropping later this year. However, in a somewhat surprising sharp turn from one week to the next, banks now say that they are factoring in another rates rise. So what's going on? Well, to try and help us understand, we're joined by Sue Tierney from Sue Tierney Mortgages. Kia Sue. Thanks so much for coming on. So are interest rates up or down, or is it just a case of watching this space? I think
3: that the answer lies in uh, the fact that you get 10 economists in the room and they've all got a different opinion. And so what I try and say to clients is ignore the noise and work on what's going to work for you, because honestly, who would know with interest rates? My take on it is, though, that we shouldn't be rushing in and thinking rates will drop in a hurry. Uh, We're not out of the woods yet. And if I was the Reserve Bank Governor, I certainly wouldn't be dropping rates at this point in time, because I believe that all that would do is encourage the market, to go out and spend, and that is definitely a message they don't want to do. So personally, uh, my advice to clients has been, you know, let's just take a cautionary wait and see, and assume that rates won't drop for a wee while yet. But of course, we did notice two weeks ago, ASB and Westpac tweaking their rates a little bit, dropping them. That's helpful, but don't
0: take that as
3: a sign that there's more to come.
0: We've seen those couple of slight reductions in, in the OCR. From your perspective, do the banks get over-enthusiastic in factoring possible rates cuts? Um, I don't believe so. And I say that because
3: it costs banks money to change interest rates. All of the work that's involved and they're taking risks, they're giving away margin. They don't change interest rates lightly. So I do believe that there would have been a fair bit of thought into the decision to changing those rates. But it just shows you how volatile the market can be from one week st- to the next. And sometimes when the market complains that the banks don't drop the rates um, quickly enough, we can now understand it's because they've got to be careful. You can't just keep popping rates up and down, up and down um, like a yo-yo. They have to be really, really careful and measure it that when they make the decision to change the rate that they're doing the right thing.
0: So who is out there buying? Is the market favouring anyone in particular? Well, it's
3: very interesting. Certainly for the stats that came out for 2023, first-home buyers were the biggest percentage of buyers that they'd seen in a long time. I think from from memory it was 27% of buyers were first-home buyers. I think that that was really as a result of the election. Election's never a good year for property investors. Um, so I think the property investors stayed out because of the election. I think that they stayed out because of the biting of the healthy homes and all of the money that needed to be spent upgrading those properties. And also, I think that they had a wait and see game um, determining you know, who came into power as to whether the interest rate deduction would come back in force as well. So I think it might have been skewed towards first-time buyers simply because less investors were in the market.
0: Does that mean that those home buyers are now competing against investors? Would you say?
3: Yes, but we haven't really seen much of a rise yet. But I, I you know, if I had to give some advice to first-time buyers, if you are ready right now, get out there and buy. If you're not ready, you know, don't take the pressure off yourselves. You certainly don't go and buy just because the market thinks something. You, it's really, really important that people are financially ready and don't overcommit and overburden themselves.
0: Very useful insight there, Sue. Thank you so much. That's Sue Turney from Sue Turney Mortgages. Thanks so much for your time. I
4: think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues.
0: I don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, what? rising child abuse no, numbers. You
3: can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tag you about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's attack line there. but It would be a resignation offence if I didn't
4: deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing iffy there. On. That sits
3: with you perfectly fine. That's what,
4: we're, that's what we're focused on.
3: Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Now, if you pop yesterday's pod in your ears, you will have heard about the surge in the price of cocoa beans. We contacted Whitaker's to see what it might mean here, and they told us despite the volatility in ingredient prices, they do their best to keep prices stable. But, and there is a but, there will come a point when it's no longer possible to keep absorbing costs. However, they will let everyone know well in advance about any price changes. So if you don't want to miss out on crucial chocolate-related news like this, you know what you've got to do? You've got to chuck us a like and a follow on your favorite podcast platform. So you have delectable, newsable goodness delivered every day, and maybe go bulk buy some Whittakers while you're at it. Now, also in yesterday's pod, so much goodness in there, we talked about the new law in Australia that will mean employees have the right to completely disconnect from their workplaces if they're not on shift. The brains behind the Aussie legislation was Green Party Senator Barbara Pocock, and she told Newsable her country's labour laws haven't kept up with the changing nature of work, and with an average of five unpaid hours per week getting gobbled up by work-related matters outside of working hours, she feels this new law is going to make a huge difference. So, is it something that we need to be thinking about back home? Well, to discuss that question is Chloe Luscombe, an employment lawyer from the law firm Dunder Street. Kia ora, Chloe. Thank you so much for coming on.
4: Kia ora. Thanks for having me.
0: Do you think New Zealand has a problem with working outside working hours as well?
4: Um look, I think we probably do. I think there are probably plenty of people who check their emails at all hours of the night um and on the weekends and and flick things off when they probably could wait until work on Monday.
0: Is the problem when it becomes expected by the employer that they kind of do that at the same time?
4: I mean that is certainly the bigger issue is it is not necessarily am I checking my emails at ten o'clock at night. It's, particularly if I'm a manager, what does that mean for the employee who's receiving an email from me at 10 o'clock at night and are there repercussions? I mean, we, we actually do have some legislation around this in New Zealand. Um, we're not completely behind where Australia is. You will remember, I'm sure, when we had the whole zero hours contract, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. new legislation came in. Now, that legislation did more than just legislate away zero-hour contracts. It also created something called an availability provision. An availability provision is a provision that's in your employment agreement that requires an employer to cover off certain things if it wants an employee to be available to accept work outside of their guaranteed hours. So you can't just uh, require an employee to pop into the office on a Saturday morning, they're a Monday to Friday employee, without an availability provision.
0: Does it solve that problem that we kind of feel like work keeps kind of creeping into our downtime because we are checking and responding to emails before we go to bed and that kind of thing? It's obviously a bit more clear cut if we actually have to come into the office before perform a shift. But when we're kind of relaxing and we think, oh, there's a, like your example, there's an email from my boss, I should probably reply to that so she knows what's going on. Mm. How do I get compensated for a five minute email?
4: I mean, the first question is, do you actually have to respond to it? Because if you don't, let's say you don't have a good availability provision, a, a lawful one in your contract, And then you don't respond to their email at 10 o'clock at night and your employer, you know, um, has you up about it or, you know, Mm -hmm. raises an issue with it, then you can potentially bring a personal grievance. So if you don't have a proper provision and you decide not to do what you're asked outside of your hours, your employer can't subject you to adverse conduct or detriment as a consequence of you sort of standing by your rights in that respect. I mean, I think when it comes to things like a salaried employee who pops in and checks their emails... There is a little bit of personal responsibility here. Do we need checking our emails? And I think if you're you you know, if you're having a situation where you're having to check them because otherwise it is causing a problem when you get to work, you're already behind, or you're already late, that feels like a bigger issue. And I think we do need to be mindful that as we're moving into um, more and more flexibility in the workplace, we're not all working at exactly the same times at exactly the same places. So your manager might work from um, noon till eight o'clock at night and you might start at 7 o'clock in the morning. Well, if your manager's emailing you at 6 o'clock at night, it's not your working hours, but it is theirs. And so, I, you know, I think there's, there's a degree of us kind of managing that flexibility, taking responsibility for whether we actually have to look at our emails or whether we're just doing it out of habit. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm a shocker. I have tried to be really mindful about not responding to them <laughs> and not doing anything with it because actually, does it make any difference if I send it at 10 o'clock at night or 8.30 the next morning? Very likely, no.
0: That's Chloe Luscombe, an employment lawyer for Dunder Street. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. The threat of a G-string ban on the Gold Coasters beach has seen a throng of thong-wearing protesters, try to say that three times fast, take to the stand at the prospect of skimpy swimwear being policed. The protest, which is called hashtag Free the Peach, I love that, I love that a lot, was in response to comments made by a well-known local community figure and leader in the GC. His name is Ian Grace, who wrote a letter to the mayor asking him to ban G-string bikinis. I imagine everyone knows what that is. They go right up the bottom and they don't live much to the imagination because the tiny togs left Ian Grace feeling uncomfortable. This is what he wrote, and apologies, because it's kind. this quote makes me quite uncomfortable. He said, while any man would enjoy the view, I believe women are very much demeaning and cheapening themselves, portraying themselves as sex objects They're decrying it when men see them that way. Oh, yikes. This has led to dozens, according to Aussie media, of bikini and mankini-wearing Gold Coastians rallying for the freedom to wear what they want to the beach. Even council members have poo-pooed the idea of a blanket-bottom-bearing bikini band. Oh my god, say that again three times. According to the Today Show, I mean think we just stick to arguing about when togs become undies over here because it seems a lot less fraught and of course the real answer to when togs become undies is when you can no longer see the water. Do not go buy an ice cream in your togs end off. That is Newsable for today. I'm Jessica McCarthy. We'll catch you tomorrow. If you like this podcast please
3: support our work. Visit stuff.co.nz support <laughs>